Hi, everybody. It's Stefan Molyneux, Freedom Man Radio. Hey, you ever wonder what you were talking about, uh, say, eight years ago as the reign of King Obama comes to its inevitable gruesome end? Um, we're going to take a little trip back in time uh, and uh, see what I was talking about eight years ago in my video called The Truth About Voting, Part 3. Yay, Obama! You know, those of you who just just talk without being recorded, you have the luxury of not knowing what you said eight years ago in any particular detail. But as the song says, there ain't no hiding place from the Sauron eye of YouTube. So we're going to go back and we are going to have a look at uh, what I was talking about eight years ago. And now for my new listeners, I guess this look, this squiggle, uh, this is a bit of a... <laughs> uh, YouTube seems to have gone through a number of rendering engines. Uh, this one, I think, is Old Fish Tank, uh, as it's called. But uh, yeah, this was way back in the day. This was 480p. This was like cutting edge eight years ago. Now... Um, for those of you who wish to count my nose hair, sorry, we're just not going to go to 4K uh, at any time soon. But um, we're going to have a look at um, what I said was going to come up with Obama. So I recorded this um, right after the uh, election. And uh, let's see oh, what, what this fresh-faced youngster uh, with no scar on his neck had to say. <laughs> so... You chose the brother over the grandpa. I See, I like it already. <laughs> I haven't actually watched this uh, in obviously about eight years. You chose the brother because he was running against John McCain, who was, um, uh, well, you, you may remember him from the Bible. <laughs> you know, one of these guys who lives for thousands of years. Methuselah. I think that's wonderful. I think that the American electorate should be duly praised and honored and given all the respect in the world for making such a bold and a uh, different choice for the commander-in-chief. And I, as an anarchist, mwah, blow serious. I said, what? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I'm afraid the A-word A -word anarchist has also been taken over by another um, A-word rhymes with glass holes. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I was a philosophical anarchist. I still remain, of course, committed to the universal application of the non-aggression principle, which bars the moral legitimacy of governments. But let's just say <laughs> things have become just a little bit more immediate now in my focus. Uh, the demographic winter of the shift uh, to um, uh, in the population to groups that are much less likely to receive Socratic wisdom as a whole uh, has uh, put me into the trenches of political action. Uh, but um, yeah, so here I am. Of course, I'm talking about how great it is that they chose Obama. And uh, you may be surprised as to why. I remember this part, I think. Various kisses in your direction. You chose a different generation. You chose a different race. You chose a different cultural background, a non-American cultural background in many ways. A different middle name, a different life experience, no military, an academic, somebody who's more or less a humanist and does not appear to be a fundamentalist in, in, uh, in Christian terms. So that's wonderful. Because, of course, the democratic theory is that this should produce a staggering amount of change in your system. Right. Okay. So this is what I was on about. Uh, given how much changed uh, in choosing um, Barack Obama over the Republicans should be a huge change, not just a continued acceleration of all the disasters that had occurred before, uh, but a huge change. And uh, I think we can see how much change actually occurred from that hopey, changey, tapioca boo goo that he was blowing up your nose with a uh, swizzle stick in the past. So, yeah, my prediction, of course, here is that not much is going to change, I assume, but that the um, corruption and the mess and the acceleration of debt is only going to increase. You could not make a...
bigger conceivable choice than that between George Bush, John McCain, and Barack Obama. So, you know, fantastic. I know it was the older folks who weren't so much with uh, Mr. Mochaccino, but uh, the younger folks very much uh, uh, giving him respect and uh, yes, we can and change. And boy, you are just going to take the country in a new direction. Uh, according to the theory of participative democracy, this should be a big, honking, stellar, nay, interstellar uh, change in the direction of America. You did not vote for the continuation of everything that exists within the government, plus a few extra layers to the shit sandwich you and your children will have to eat in terms of debt. You did not choose for all of the existing government programs to continue, and then for a bunch of new socialist uh, health care in particular ones to be added to it. Huh. Well, I must say, <laughs> that's not too bad. Of course, uh, I'm saying that you didn't vote for the existing government programs plus new stuff, particularly in the realm of healthcare, I guess known as the Affordable Care Act uh, or the ultimate oxymoron of language, uh, the uh, yeah, Obamacare and so on. So, yeah, not, uh, not bad from, from eight years ago. And, uh, you know, um, well, let's keep going. You looked for significant change, but not the continuation of government with the addition of new programs, new spending, new debts, new obligations. Uh, clearly, if we get socialized medicine or heavily subsidized uh, payments for uh, health care insurance, then all we have is more government and control. If stuff doesn't get shaved away, but new stuff gets added, clearly all we've had is an expansion in the size and power and, of course, coercive uh, actions of the government. Okay, so naturally I'm saying that you've got this existing government structure, a whole bunch of more stuff is going to be added under Obama, very little, if anything, is going to be taken away, and therefore we're going to end up with more government control of the economy, more regulations, more healthcare subsidies, more control over healthcare, and so on. So again, <laughs> not, not bad. Not ba it's magic. And of course, we've, uh, we've heard all of this before. Uh, radical reform, uh, Reagan promised it, of course, uh, uh, the era of smaller government, uh, and he increased the federal deficit uh, and spending by two-thirds. Big uh, Bill Clinton, the... Oh, I just wanted to mention, I know that uh, Reagan is a bit of a hero for people on the right, but uh, the reality is... Oh, by the way, good freeze frame. <laughs> but uh, the reality is that uh, not, not only did he not directly cause the collapse of the Soviet Union, that was because socialism is unable to solve the von Misian problem of price calculations. Uh, like you just can't efficiently allocate resources without a free market and price and supply and demand. So it was going to collapse anyway. But he also gave California to the Democrats by legalizing um, millions of uh, uh, illegal immigrants that have now swelled to about 10 million people uh, and who are regularly, as Hispanics uh, want to do, vote overwhelmingly to the left, uh, 80% plus. And uh, also he massively grew uh, debts and deficits by cutting taxes without without cutting spending. <laughs> so, you know, just what I mean, it's not all bad. There's lots uh, that I like about the guy, but uh, k kind of a disaster um, for the future in, in many ways. The era of big government is over. Uh, is, is gonna end, we're going to end welfare as we know it. And of course, within a few years, welfare spending was up 20, 30 percent. We have uh, George Bush, who uh, is going to have a humble foreign policy without nation building. And of course, that all changes. So this uh, change, uh, and this is more directed to our young friends uh, there, this change that has, has always been promised before, and yet all that happens is the government continues to grow asymptotically. So, yeah, I'm just saying, you know, keep... 
actually, I think I mean exponentially. Um, I like to kick around a few math terms. <laughs> Sometimes I miss. Keep your eye on this one and test the thesis about real change within government based upon the widest possible divergence of potential candidates that has ever been seen and likely ever will be seen in any democratic sphere. Well, I guess, except for Donald Trump versus the deep state. Now, I know a lot of people were interested in what is called defensive voting, right? So it's like, well, I don't want Iraq to go on and on, so I'm going to vote for Barack Obama. In other words, I'm not voting for Barack Obama. I'm voting against John McCain. Well, of course, Barack Obama has absolutely no way to know that. What he experiences, uh, and not irrationally so, given that he can't know that, what he experiences is a resounding mandate for his programs. He's going to look upon this vote as, my God, they just love my programs, don't they? Let us <laughs> to uh, expand the spending and get everything uh, going that was in my platform, because he doesn't view it as, well, they didn't like John McCain or George Bush. He views it as they really like me, and that, of course, is what he is going to uh, take uh, as part of his activism. And this is important, right? So if you vote uh, for Barack Obama as a protest vote, well, you, well, anyone but McCain, well, that, that there's no way to register on your, your vote that it's a protest vote. Um, he views, of course, Obama did, and of course, reasonably so, view um, all the votes for him as an endorsement of what he wanted to do. Protest votes um, don't translate into the inhibition of the ambitions of the people who gain power. So, uh, as a uh, uh, an amazing mentalist, uh, I'm going to roll forth a few a few predictions about what is going to happen with the um, uh, gosh so insurmountable mandate for change that American voters have handed to Barack Obama. Well, the first thing he's going to have to do, of course, is pass a flurry of legislation, which is going to uh, pay off the special interests who donated. Uh, to his cause, right? So unions, public sector workers, the sick, the elderly, the minorities, all of those people uh, who uh, heavily invested in his cause, the young folks will get various uh, uh, grants and benefits for colleges or, you know, stuff like that. Okay. So, of course, college students got Pell Grants, actually renamed the, or colloquially called the Obama Student Loan Forgiveness uh, Act and so on. And, um, yeah, of course, public sector workers got a bunch of stuff. Uh, they have uh, pension uh, increases. Uh, and uh, see, public sector pensions made a lot of money in the 90s and, and so on. And they just said, okay, well, I'm sure we're going to get, you know, 6 7 8% growth uh, going forward. And so they really cranked up the payouts for their members. And then what happened was the stock market began to shave away those uh, excess returns and uh, now they're ridiculously underfunded and bailouts and so on have been have been talked about so yeah young people are going to get uh, greater access to school um, lots of grants to to higher education and so on and um, yeah that that certainly came to pass and um, I'm not going to say that was incredible but uh, yeah you, you pay off the people who uh, who voted uh, for you so the first thing that's going to happen is a massive expansion in state power and programs and spending. And there's a possibility that there will be some change in troop strengths or troop levels in Iraq. Though, of course, my guess is that now that the election has uh, altered, the last thing that uh, Al-Qaeda and the other uh, Islamic extremist groups, the last thing they want is for the troops to be withdrawn unless they're replaced by defense contractors, because their goal, of course, is to bankrupt the United States, uh, as the United States taught them to do uh, in the 1980s with uh, 
the Soviet Union and Afghanistan, so they're just taking the same tools that they were taught to defeat the last superpower to defeat this superpower, which is to uh, collapse its uh, spending potential, drive it to bankruptcy. So the only way that they will be happy is if the troops, which are relatively cheap, are replaced by private contractors who are even more expensive, thus harming the public purse even more. So there will be some... Now, sorry to interrupt, sorry to interrupt you, younger me, but um, yeah, there was a, a lot of troop withdrawals, of course, that happened. Uh, over the course of uh, Obama's uh, presidency, they went from 180,000 uh, down to 15,000. But um, yeah, and they peaked in November 2007. Uh, U.S. military forces peaked in Iraq, 170,300. Uh, but at the end of 2000, they went down to 146. End of 2008, sorry, down to 146,000. Uh, and in 2008, uh, there was a, a status of forces agreement, um, specific date, 30th June 2009, for the troops to withdraw. Uh, this is partly because um, the Iraqi government was insisting that American troops be subject to Iraqi law. And, uh, you know, they kind of freaked out about all of that. And, of course, there was a replacement of uh, some of the personnel with um, uh, private military uh, contractors, which... I mean, they're more expensive, but they're also much more efficient, as we found out when talking to former Blackwater CEO on this show, uh, Eric Prince. So, um, uh, you know, the, the the full withdrawal of, of the troops did, of course, create a power vacuum. And uh, Hillary uh, Clinton and Barack Obama did end up um, helping to arm and enable ISIS, uh, which then has taken over significant portions of Iraq and uh, now I mean, what's completely mad is uh, still an embassy in Baghdad with 17,000 personnel. Boy, I just hope they're not all processing exit visas to come to the U.S. for people. But uh, um, so, yeah, there is um, there were significant uh, troop alterations uh, within Iraq and um, uh, the, the power vacuum that was created through the destruction of Libya and Syria and Iraq uh, has provoked both the direct um, refugees uh, fleeing to Europe. Uh, and not being taken in, of course, by the Middle Eastern countries for reasons that uh, well, anyone who knows the history of the region will have some pretty good ideas about. And um, also mixed in with them, of course, have been uh, terrorists and uh, just economic migrants, people looking for a better standard of life. So, uh, yeah, shifts in uh, American troops. Uh, yeah, I think that was uh, fairly uh, fairly accurate. So let us continue. Maybe some realignment of, of troops in, in um in Iraq or Afghanistan, but my strong suspicion is that the violence is going to erupt again because they don't want troops to be withdrawn because the whole point of getting them to attack an Islamic country was to bring the American troops in harm's way and drain... Okay, so you see, there we have it. Uh, I say that there's going to be a reduction in troops or a shift in troops, uh, but the violence is going to erupt again uh, as with the goal, partly, of course, of taking over land and territory and oil revenues, but, of course, also partly because they want to draw Western troops back into the country in order to be able to attack them. You can't go and attack Fort Bragg, uh, or, but you can, of course, draw American and uh, other coalition troops into Iraq to attack them, so... Yeah, the violence is going to erupt again to draw the troops back in and to have uh, gains for various groups. Um, yeah, it's uh, pretty good, pretty good. Very good, I would say. Let's continue. In the public purse. So for sure, the violence which was diminishing, the violence was diminishing in Iraq within Iraq so that neither president would make a commitment to pull out. Now that they have not done so, uh, made that firm commitment uh, they are going to, uh, uh, the uh, Mujahideen are going to attack the Americans even more, thus driving up 
the um, public perception that we need to stay. There may be some withdrawals, but then they will be replaced by private contractors who fly sort of under the radar of the public. So that's not going to change uh, very much. So there will be a flurry of uh, uh, expanded legislation to pay off the special interests. Ah, sadly, but then the inevitable disasters will uh, come up and will be duly reported by a sorrowful press, uh, such as well, we can't uh, get out of Iraq or Afghanistan because uh, uh, of X, Y, and Z. The violence has erupted. We need to maintain, blah, blah, blah. It's not ready. We're going to lose. So that's going to continue, of course. Um, oh, we had no idea that the financial situation was this bad. By golly, it was even worse than we thought, and that's going to put the brakes on our spending, you see. For the time being, we will not be able to enact all of the goodies that we promised you. Gosh, we're so sorry, but the visa bill... Um, was just so much higher. There were so many more hidden costs that we thought that, damn, we're just not going to be able to give you all the goodies uh, that you want. Um, unforeseen events. Now, that did actually, of course, occur that everyone said, oh, you know, it's much worse than we thought and so on. And, of course, people forget that Obama voted for the bank bailout and all this usual kind of garbage uh, that, that goes on in these kinds of high uh, political circles. So, yeah, there was a sense of, oh, it's worse than we thought. But here's, here's the important thing. You know, you sort of can't emphasize this uh, too, too much. Um, it is a tragic reality um, that... Uh, <sighs> You know, the first black president got an extra trillion dollars a year uh, in spending because no budget has been passed for uh, eight years. And so the sort of one-time bailout stuff just got to – they got to keep spending it every single year. So, you know, eight trillion, you know, more, of course, if you count uh, interest and so on. But, um, yeah, the, the, the eight years – of Barack Obama has sort of eight plus trillion dollars of additional spending. It is really, really tragic. Uh, and the perception, of course, is unavoidable that the first black president basically spent his term on welfare, uh, getting massive amounts of additional spending over and above anything budgeted before. And that, of course, makes him look like a president not presiding over disaster. Uh, but um, massive, you know, almost half the uh, entire U.S. national debt has been incurred. And, and some of it is unavoidable. Some of it is just increases in spending that is beyond uh, the control of of the president, and sometimes even at least easily beyond the control of, of Congress, right? There's all the fixed spending, mandated spending, and so on, uh, non-optional spending. But uh, yeah, the, I mean, the president got eight trillion dollars, trillion thousand billion dollars a year extra throughout his eight-year term uh, to to make it look like like he was a real. Um, an effective economic president. And, uh, you know, you, you give everyone that kind of, anyone that kind of subsidy, they're going to look like a, a reasonable uh, business person or a reasonable spender. But uh, yeah, it's really, it's really tragic. Uh, and um, uh, that, of course, is going to have to change. ...have overtaken our prior plans. We have to be adaptive. We have to be flexible. We have to be loosey-goosey. We have to respond to changing situations. And uh, But don't worry, we're going to get back to that change thing real soon. It's uh, going to happen now. No, wait, now. Tomorrow. No, it's coming. Oh, wait. Oh, damn it. You know what? I need another term. You'll need to, need to vote for me again. But by God, when I get back in, I'm going to make all those changes happen. Oh, it is all so predictable. So this is my suggestion. Uh, if my suggestion means anything to you, which it probably doesn't, but, you know, just play around with it as an idea. I say, get behind. Barack Obama work day and night to pursue and enact this change, right? Because this is what you were voted for change. Now get behind him and make the change happen. Work that a day, donate time, energy, effort, sell kidneys, do whatever you need to get behind this change and make it happen. Throw everything 
into this. March into the future with him. Devote yourself to creating change. Put everything you have into this fantasy. And um, that's interesting advice. And, um, of course, if Obamacare had not been passed, then the repeal of Obamacare, which may easily add additional free market elements to a largely communistic healthcare system in the United States, certainly heavily socialistic healthcare system in the United States, if Obamacare had not been passed, then the pushback would not be as strong. So in that sense, I can completely understand why I said what I said. And I think there's really good, uh, a good case to be made for that, that uh, when you double down on socialism, the blowback from the free market side, which we can see uh, in the person of Donald Trump, is that much stronger and has a chance to push things further back than even where they started. Um, so yeah, again, <laughs> I'm going to give myself a point or two for that. Because that way you won't have any excuses when the change fails to occur. Right. Put yourself, I mean, this is how you get closure in dysfunctional relationships is you work as hard as you can to make them better. Uh, marriages, uh, business, you work as hard as you can, make every sacrifice, every compromise you conceivably can. Then when you've done everything you can and the relationship does not work out, you get the closure, which of course is where you start to actually begin to look creatively and intelligently for alternate solutions to. And this, of course, uh, I made this case, uh, that uh, Bernie Sanders promised uh, his supporters uh, a really, really heavily subsidized, if not downright free education. And the average donation to Bernie Sanders was in the 20-odd dollar range. And for that, they got a real education in politics that Bernie Sanders, after fighting tooth and nail, supposedly Hillary Clinton, uh, ended up uh, supporting her and, and getting behind her and, uh, you know, buying his Nth House uh, and uh, Jill Stein. Oh, I'm going to look into this recan for you. Give me all this money. Uh, I don't really spend that much on the recan, but boy, I've got quite a lot under the mattress right now. And I sort of hate to laugh, but it's a painful education. But um, yeah, get behind it 100, 150%. And that way, when it fails to materialize, you can wall off that avenue, that option of pursuing hyper-socialist uh, uh, solutions, quote, solutions to complex social problems, you will get a significant education out of all of that. So, yeah, I've said that before. I'm sure I'll end up saying it again. The use of coercion to achieve social goals, which is government and voting and, and so on. Because nothing will get better. I can guarantee you that. A few people, some people, some groups will get the blood money that's ripped off from the future or from others or through inflation, the printing of fiat money. Yeah, some people will do make out like bandits. And that has certainly happened. The rich have gotten richer, significantly richer. Gap between uh, rich and poor has has increased. Middle class has been hollowed out. More people on more extremes, 90 million uh, plus people not in the workforce and so on. So, yeah, uh, things are not going to get better, and, and they haven't. Uh, in fact, they've st wages have stagnated and declined. Uh, but the rich are going to make out like bandits because when you vote someone in who has a lot of power in, into government, well, what happens? Well, they, they listen to the people who have most influence over them. That's not going to be you. That's not going to be me. It never will be. It's all the people uh, at the big banks, all the people who finance companies, all the people uh, with, with their fingers in the, uh, in the donation bucket to the tune of, of lots of money. So, yeah, this is a prediction. Nothing's going to get better, but some people are going to get extremely rich. Um, very, very true. Uh, through the state, right? The mafia and their hitmen make out like bandits and their friends and the shops they frequent. But nothing. I would like to apologize for comparing government to the mafia. Um, it is enormously unfair to the mafia. It's uh, very much uh, um, 
the wrong thing, the wrong thing to say. Sorry, mafia doesn't stop wars and destroy cultures. Will change. This is not anything that is shocking uh, or surprising. And if you understood that the government is forced, you would understand why I say that. Expecting additional coercion to improve uh, a moral situation is like uh, saying, uh, my wife will love me more if I beat her more, right? She loves me less when I beat her more, but when I just beat her double, she will then turn the corner and love me. And of course, and this, of course, is related to uh, Obamacare, right? So um, you have a heavily uh, socialistic, uh, more than 50 cents of healthcare dollars prior to Obamacare were spent by the government. You have a heavily socialist uh, healthcare, and then you pile additional coercion, forcing people to buy insurance and so on. I got the truth about Obamacare on this channel. Um, it's only going to make things worse. And this is, of course, what we've seen. It's just massive increases in uh, uh, in insurance uh, requirements, uh, well, payments for insurance, whereas massive deductibles and, and less coverage and so on. Of course, that will never happen. You cannot scream at your children and then uh, assume that that screaming will make you love them. You cannot beat someone up and make him your friend. You cannot rape someone into loving you. Uh, violence, coercion, deception, hypocrisy, fraud, and theft can never produce virtue and a positive outcome. Simply can't. Here you can see my, my budding and patented death stare. Yes, it still has a way to go. But, uh, you know, you can see it pecking its way out of this <laughs> giant undertanned egg. So... All that is going to happen with Barack Obama is he's going to expand the power and size and violence and coercion and brutality and control of the government. And he's not going to take on existing special interests and whittle them down because that's not what people paid him for. People paid him. They donated. They gave him the resources so that he would get them goodies. And that's how that's why the government always gets bigger, right? Because each politician sells off the future and our children to a new special interest group for bribes them. And of course, he gets mileage and donations out of that. And he only gets opposition if he actually says he's going to reduce uh, spending. So everybody just adds more shit to the sandwich that the next generation has to uh, has to eat. I'm going to just take a tiny break here and uh, show you um, a not very lengthy video, which was my full and complete philosophical response to um, Barack Obama receiving the Nobel Peace Prize. And, of course, he turned into an extraordinarily warlike president, dropping thousands, what is it, 20,000-plus 20, drone strikes last year alone, um, wars in, in, you know, half a dozen or more uh, countries, uh, destabilizing foreign regimes and so on. And people look at, uh, at George Bush and the destabilization invasion of Iraq and so on, but they forget Syria and they forget Libya in particular, which was uh, the, the, um, the barrier between Africa, the Mediterranean, and, and Europe, of course, uh, I mean— he has turned into an extraordinarily brutal uh, president uh, with, you know, his Tuesday um, check off the kill lists uh, memos. And uh, yeah, so again, bang on uh, eight years ago. For instance, I mean, here's, a, 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 here's something that would represent real change, right? Real change, which is, of course, we, uh, the Americans only need the uh, Department uh, of Defense, uh, Department of Homeland Security and this massive spending on arms uh, because uh, 700 bases in more than 100 countries has pissed off the world. 
So if there was going to be real change in America, what would happen is these bases would all start to get closed down. Uh, you would dismantle the Department of Homeland Security. You would uh, cut the uh, national defense budget uh, in half or three quarters. You would uh, withdraw all the troops back home. And uh, what would happen then? Well, uh, of course, you would be able to rescind the Patriot Act and the Patriot Act II. You would be able to uh, rescind, uh, you would close down Guantanamo, uh, Guantanamo Bay. Spoiler, he failed to close down Guantanamo Bay. Now, this is interesting because when uh, when uh, Donald Trump is talking about NATO being kind of out of date uh, and all of this, he is, um, uh, I think, going to be looking into, in the long run, we'll see, of course, what happens. But, of course, if NATO is out of date and America withdraws from NATO, uh, then um, the, the need to station troops, uh, particularly in Germany, would enormously diminish. So there could be some capacity to close down troops and uh, to bring them uh, back home. Uh, and uh, again, we'll see uh, how this goes uh, along. But um, definitely, this was not the case under Obama. You would be able to do all of those things. See, that would be actual change. But that's not going to happen. Or actual change would be the prosecution of George Bush for war crimes, which, of course, uh, is perfectly legal and perfectly valid under existing U.S. law, that he's responsible for the deaths of thousands of Americans, therefore is a mass murderer. Well, that would be a real change, to hold people accountable for the genocides they do. Well, also, of course, um, Barack Obama took an enormous amount of money from um, Wall Street companies and so on. And, and, and wouldn't you know it, unlike in Iceland, uh, nobody got prosecuted. There were some fines, uh, but uh, nobody got uh, prosecuted and sent to jail for their roles in uh, the financial crisis, uh, which, of course, was born out of attempting to get minorities into houses they couldn't afford um, to fulfill a statistical disparity that was purely imaginary. Anyway, I've talked about this before, so uh, let's move on. That's not going to happen. He's going to get a pension and speaking tours and go and blather on at Christian knuckleheads until uh, the end of times. So, so those would be examples of real change uh, within the system. Um, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. We're going to get additional spending. We're going to get the expansion of coercion and violence. We're going to get an ever acceleration towards the inevitable bankruptcy. And at some point, at some point, this is my invitation to you. And this is a tough one, I know. But seriously, people... I mean, maybe this is because I got a kid in the way in a few weeks, but. <laughs> that is just wild. I got to tell you, that is just wild. Um, the absolute joy and light of my life uh, just, just turned eight. Anyway, <laughs> it's just a beautiful thing. <laughs> At some point, we have to grow up and we have to stop fantasizing that violence is going to bring us the beautiful world that we want and deserve and which we can achieve in a generation if we do the right things. The first virtue is, uh, is honesty. The first step towards virtue and power is the discarding of illusion. I mean, the, that's what we have to do first. We have to step away from collective fantasies, step away from the fantasies that the gun can bring beauty and love and truth and virtue. The gun, the bomb, the army, the prison, the police. And can't. Can't do it. Uh, it only destroys. I completely still accept all of that. Uh, you, you cannot police and threaten a um, culture into being civilized. They ha their values have to come from within. Uh, and uh, this doesn't mean that there's no role for third-party agents of self-defense, such as the police. But um, this continual escalation of state power in the hope of achieving virtue and, and peace in paradise is madness. And um, it will continue to escalate until it's brought down. And again, that's the big hope for the Trump presidency and for some of the incipient movements around uh, Europe and, and in other places uh, that um, uh, 
we can begin to shift the power back to the community away from the state and let people solve problems voluntarily, which is, in fact, the only way that problems get solved. At some point, we have to grow up and we have to start taking responsibility for bringing a virtue, peace and progress to our own lives. Not uh, this, this fantasy that violence and group delusions can improve the world. Not the fantasy that uh, some well-spoken fellow is going to march in right over the hill and make our life and our world a beautiful place. It's not going to happen. This is the hook right, that you are exploited from, at this fantasy that someone else is going to make your life better. Someone else is going to make you free. Someone else is going to deal with the problems of the world. Just hand over your money, hand over your power, hand over your freedom, and everything will be better. So here, just for those who aren't following, uh, I'm, I'm not talking about um, someone who comes in to shrink the size and power of the state. Right, somebody, uh, Donald Trump, is talking about cutting taxes, uh, reducing regulations, you know, cutting 20% uh, of, of federal workforces and, and uh, cutting budgets and all that kind of stuff. So um, the idea that someone's going to come in, use the power of the state to make your life better by getting you stuff, uh, this is what I'm talking about. This is the infantilization that is occurring uh, and uh, which I have certainly put my, I guess, reputation and energies behind the idea that Donald Trump is going to shrink the size and power of the state and cause us all to go through a sudden acceleration of maturation, to grow up, as I talk about eight years ago, with eyes that actually remarkably blew. <laughs> the perpetual war for perpetual peace, perpetual violence for perpetual, uh, perpetual progress, which never occurs. The violence escalates and progress declines. And, you- and that is true, of course, just to point out that the government controls more and more of the economy, the gap between the rich and the poor continue to escalate. Uh, income inequality continues to escalate. Schools continue to deteriorate. Infrastructure continues to deteriorate. Uh, and um, uh, peace continues to deteriorate in, in many ways. You have every right to cling to your fantasies if you want. You can go live in a cave and believe in Baal or Set for all I care or anyone cares. But this fantasy is different. This fantasy affects my child. This fantasy affects me. This fantasy affects hundreds of thousands of dead and fly-buzzed Muslim bodies. Your fantasy has got two million of your fellow countrymen in jail, the vast majority for completely nonviolent, innocuous, quote, crimes. Your fantasy for political solutions is shredding the soul of the world. It is not your choice to make to use violence to solve problems, because the violence affects others. The violence affects others. It affects people working peacefully in the Twin Towers. In 2001, it affects half a million Iraqi children who die for want of medicine and food and water because of of an embargo. It affects everyone in the world who glares balefully at the marching U.S. soldiers of the New Rome. You are shredding the soul of the world through your addiction to the fantasy that some white political knight is going to ride over the horizon and change the world and save the world and that all you have to do is stuff yourself into a fucking booth and check something? Stop being lazy. Stop being lazy. And this is important as well. You know, I've talked about this many times. So for people who are Trump supporters and and people who believe uh, that uh, positive things can come out of this shrinking of the size and power of the state... It's not done. It's not just going into a booth and checking off something. Ooh, done and dusted, as they say in my home country. Uh, no, uh, this is just the beginning. There's going to be much 
much more conflict, uh, escalation of conflict going forward. And you need to be out there and you need to be talking to people and you need to be bringing facts, reason, evidence and arguments, more eloquence, better language to these kinds of conflicts. Help people to understand the necessity of shrinking the size and power of the state and how much better society is going to be for almost everyone and certainly all the good people when that happens. Uh, so this idea that, oh, well, I've done my checkbox. Now it's up to Donald Trump. Now it's up to whoever. No, 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 no. They can't do it without you. Keep fighting. Keep working. It is essential. At least we're not being sent to Flanders Fields. It is a verbal battle at the moment with some uncomfortable moments and some mean things said about you on the internet. Maybe that's nothing compared to mustard gas. We have it so lucky that our fight can be done with words rather than swords. So that I still stand by. Oh, look, just a few seconds to go. Stop wallowing in the fantasy that some distant soul waving a gun is going to make the world better. Get off your hiney, get out of the booth, turn off CNN, and work. Okay, turn off CNN. <laughs> now, now that's pretty good. Uh, this is, of course, long before it became known as the Clinton News Network and was roundly chastised by Donald Trump on every conceivable opportunity, at least recently. Yeah, turn off CNN. All right. To bring reason and truth to the world you live in. And stop praying for gods who only ever arrive as devils. Oh, yeah. Truth about McCarthyism. Got to watch it. Well, um, thank you, uh, everyone, so much. It's great to go back and look at this. I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I was good. That's the reason why I've grown enormously uh, since then while shrinking in my weight. But anyway... Um, uh, thank, thanks, everyone, of course, so much for watching. Stay tuned to this channel. I'm going to continue to make predictions as we go forward. And uh, I think I'm even better at making predictions now than I was uh, eight years ago. So I predict that you will go to freedomainradio.com slash donate and help us out. This fight has only just begun. I'm happy to have you with us, but we can't do it without your help. So freedomainradio.com slash donate. And please don't forget to follow me on Twitter. Like, subscribe, and share. And you can check out the podcast, of course, at uh, fdrpodcast.com. Last but not least, got some shopping to do? fdrurl.com slash Amazon. Thanks, everyone. Uh, I guess I'll bounce back in eight years and check out on this one. But uh, it's been a real pleasure uh, doing this uh, work in, in this public arena with you uh, for the past uh, decade. And I look forward to many, many more to come. I'm not going anywhere but up. <laughs>